I went out into the night. I went out to pick a fight with anyone. Light a candle for the kids. Jesus Christ, keep it hid. This week we're talking about Arcade Fire's debut album, Funeral. Welcome to the Essential Albums Podcast, where three guys from 85 have a conversation about some of the biggest albums ever and forgotten favorites from yesteryear. We'll dive into an album's place in culture, discuss its merits, and decide if a record holds up and it's worth your time. Of course, we get into a lot more than just that, so join longtime friends Ryan, Gordon, and Anise. We're living some of these classics and diving into our new favorite albums. Okay. Funeral. Funeral. So uh, I guess uh, our second death-themed album, right? What was the first one? Ready to Die. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> death from above. Oh yeah, death. Well, that's from about 1979. <laughs> I guess yeah, we we're fans of death. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I guess Funeral. It's a, it's kind of a staple with uh, um, indie rock music and. Uh, the early or mid 2000s for um, us anyway for us yeah so yeah, for our generation. This, this is our, no, our you think our generation or just our locale interesting i think, I, I think our generation okay okay i, think, I wasn't well, sure it's it's hard to know when you're in it right i mean yeah. we can we can get into that but like i think i agree i mean we probably got the album before most people in terms of like our country versus the world because I think it's on it's on 2004 and 2005 lists for best ofs, right, right. Um, but like it became a, a generational album like with time. But I mean, we can get into that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go in order. Okay, okay. I am excited. So, so what's your relationship with Arcade Fire? Uh, the last album they released was uh, I don't even remember the name of it. I kind of skipped over that. One. So my relationship. Now. Everything now. Yeah, we saw <laughs> we saw him in concert. Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> I got this album through the ticket, so um, oh. <laughs> so I didn't actually buy this album. It's probably the most recent album that I per- or that I own um, in terms of when it was released. But um, I guess I can answer first. My relationship with the band is most recently, you and I went to the concert. Um, we got the CD for free, or was included in the ticket price, so that was that came to us, and uh, it was a great show. I love seeing this band live. So um, and and they're on the radio all the time. So I mean, they're not hard to miss anymore. Um, how do you guys feel about them in their current, uh, with their current work, or how? What's your arcade fire thoughts? Uh, I, I still follow them. Like I, I got into them pretty much right off the hop, and I've followed them ever since. And uh, the the last album, I wouldn't say is one of my favorite of theirs, but I still like some songs on it. I went to the tour, mm. uh, and I like what they've been doing during the pandemic with releasing their little live performances in their backyard, which has been really cool and keeping me entertained during. <laughs> Yeah, sure. time. <laughs> more of that for sure. Now, I always thought of them as like that uh, Arcade Fire and Broken Social Scene were like the two flagship indie bands of I, I don't want to say our generation because like I don't know if that's just Canadian or because they're both Canadian uh, indie I would, bands. I would say Arcade Fire, maybe our, genera- our generation, but Broken Social Scene definitely. Just location. <laughs> yeah, nobody knows who we're talking about. So going back to what you were saying before, Ryan, like with when you brought up those two bands, are you thinking like indie rock, all of indie rock, or are you thinking like just Canadian indie rock? Well, I always associate it with this, like uh, with college time, like you know, uh, with like maturing tastes. I don't know. That's that's what I associate it with. So like Canadian. I associate it with indie rock, but you know, that's the spotlight. If I don't know if that's just me or so, cause my understanding of arcade fire is that they, they got big worldwide after suburbs. That's like way down the line. Uh, 
Well, they won the Grammy for that album too. Yeah. So they were must have nobody knew who they were when they won that Grammy. I mean, well, we did. I think because Arcade Fire kind of fell at an interesting time, which sort of lined up with us turning. You know, when we got, went into college, university, college age, it was the same time. Uh, like that college rock stuff for indie rock was kind of big on the internet. It wasn't really played a bunch on the radio or no. on music or anything like that at the time, but the internet really loved these bands and they were headlining tours and festivals and stuff at the time. So they did have notoriety. It was just was a different kind of, different kind of fame. Right. I, I think they were one of the first generations of that because that, that same year you saw it was an interesting year. You had arcade fire release funeral, but you also had modest most releasing uh good news for people who like bad news and they've been a band who've been around for a while but all of a sudden now they're on the radio because there's a new attention to right more college or indie rock or just rock so do you think the internet is really what like allowed this kind of art form the weirder kind of indie stuff to rise to a mainstream level because before then the you know the record labors are like what the hell is this weird guy screaming about uh i think it was part of it because uh before before that, before the early 2000s, when Internet and Napster and social media started playing a big impact in music, uh, you had kind of generations of, you know, you go to the early 90s was alternative rock and late 90s was, you know, you had hip hop and new metal and uh, the, the teeny boppers or whatever. But then in 2000, you started getting the Internet and you started getting art, different artists popular just in different almost subgroups like very niche but the niches were bigger now because of the internet and they were getting more exposure because of the internet so now and i think arcade fire is a perfect example of this where to people like us we were you know this is one of the biggest bands they're huge they headline you know coachella and stuff yeah and they win the grammy for album of the year and half the people are like who the fuck is this (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's interesting for us too because that period of our i don't know but for you guys but for my listening tastes were evolving quickly you know i was going to music school and stuff and i was listening to much more broad stuff and at the same time much more broad stuff was rising to the surface because of this like new outlet so got kind of we got kind of lucky that way we got a, quite a diverse uh we just we just caught the wave of diversity yeah. from the well, to, just to add to that like you, you you mentioned it before like you were you're you were maturing your tastes were were different were, were growing um and i think even in terms of like how we are reviewing our albums like even in, in podcast episodes like we got we talk about how like that terrible new metal time like in the late 90s early 2000s i mean we we're all kind of in it in different ways um but then we also were listening to, to harder rock so that's when like that's when i was getting into rage we have a deftones episode we have things like that and then i think around 2002 maybe strokes did it 2002 2003 2004 around there that's when we're getting more into indie rock and i think yeah. we're moving away as a group maybe it's just me personally we're moving away from like the harder stuff still into it paying attention to it but we're also getting into this whole indie rock kind of movement yeah i don't think it was just indie i don't think it was just indie rock uh in general i think it was because <laughs> at that same year you had arcade fire's funeral come out but you also had kanye west college dropout come out and you had animal collective song tongues which went weird for yeah. them. that stuff had a moment right after that with their next few albums they kind of leaned in the electro and got really weird with that so at that time it just seemed like people were open to anything just try give me something new 
And yeah. I think indie rock was, it kind of rode that wave along with that stuff. And it was just part of that early Pitchfork generation where Pitchfork would give an album best new music and their tour would sell out and their albums would, you know, sell decent because everyone was downloading it. No one was buying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think also like particularly with this album is also just like, mature music in terms of the writing of it there's a lot of subtle chord changes and structure things and key like mature kind of songwriting people who have been writing songs for a long time not something that you'd hear necessarily on like a rage against the machine album or something like that you know it's a different it's a different energy you're feeding off when you're younger you don't you don't really know any rules or you're you're just like this is cool and i like this and you're just doing stuff it's not quite as like refined so it has its place for sure but this album is definitely it's just like more mature writing so as we're getting older it's just perfect timing Mm -hmm. and i think this is also the time where rock music became uh at least for some people and and the what we were the stuff we were getting into it became less important and a band like arcade fire wasn't very guitar driven you weren't having Guitar yeah. were carrying the lead with the violin, or it was an accordion, yeah. or it was a xylophone, or glockenspiel, or whatever they were deciding to use on that song. Why yeah. is that? Hmm? You just got sick of guitars. I mean, not some people, because like hard rock and and other types of rock are still relevant today. People still listen to it. Yeah, Greta Van Vliet or whatever they're called, people like or. Foo Fighters still have a Foo Fighters are still making music. They have a new album on the way, so they're still guitar rock happening it just but for us at that point you know maybe we were reacting against all the guitar music we had been listening to a little bit uh not really because we're still listening to bands like well i know for me i was still listening to bands like queens of the stone age and the darkness who were around at the time so i was still getting my heavy dose of guitar rock i think i was just more open to more stuff and with the internet it was easily available yeah yeah but but getting back to what gordon said for us in canada having being able to have access to Arcade Fire. I remember when this album came out, I didn't find it in a local record store. I remember having to go to Toronto HMV to find it. Oh, nice. Huh. But, I, but I believe this was before I knew about, like, the downtown record stores and CD stores in town. Mm-hmm. So I remember I was in Toronto, and I had to pick up uh, Funeral there at HM, HMV, the, the big HMV there. And it was in Eaton Centre. Where was it? It's gone now. Um, square one. Square one? Yeah, oh, so I got... That one, yeah. So I got it there, and uh, it was expensive. <laughs> <laughs> How much did you pay for it? Just, do you remember? Uh, I More don't than remember. $25? I don't remember, but I remember, like, a month later, it was everywhere for two for 20 <laughs> <laughs> That's so... That's great. So I why... Mean, what yeah, happened there? Why did it blow up all of a sudden? I guess we can get it. It's like, was that... the that's, well, yeah, we can get into that. I mean, um, so I guess that's a good a good segue um, for what was your first experience with the album, right? Uh, I think it was, I think actually it was seeing the video for Rebellion, of all things. I remember seeing that on, on TV a lot, and I was like, who are these, like, goth kind of dressed dark guys playing wimpy music <laughs> so but but yeah and just from there I, yeah that was that was my first experience but i got i got the album from a friend i don't even know where but i ended up with it on my uh on my mp3 list 
actually have two versions of it. And it's kind of strange because one has 10 tracks. Is, is that the 2005-2004 discrepancy that you're talking about? Like, No, I mean, well, it's just release dates. I think this album only has 10 tracks. I don't know yeah. what would the 11th track be. One of my versions doesn't have In the Back Seat. Uh, oh, then I would say you're just missing it then. Yeah, the, doesn't, it doesn't end on Rebellion Lies. No, yeah. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> that's so, awesome. Who knows how I ended up with that. But yeah, so, but like, you know, listening to the to the album, I didn't really recognize anything as a sig- single until I think uh, Power Out, actually. So, because uh, th- I didn't really know the, the singles from the album. I mean, it's an indie band. It's not like the stuff's on the radio. You get the much music, you know, occasional video, but... So once once Power Out came out, I was like, "Oh, this is that band!" Like I didn't even put it to, put it together until I until I heard the album. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, know it's funny. I mean, to to build on kind of both your answers, um, I guess for that summer of, of two thousand four, that's when you bought the album. And Nisa, I'm, I'm assuming it was two thousand four. Um, I probably heard it a lot because it was in Anissa's car. We were listening to it like a whole lot that summer. Um, I just remember it being like. It was kind of like a quiet thing. And then all of a sudden they just blew up. Like 2005, yeah, Rebellion Lies. You see that video, it was everywhere. Um, yeah. The hillside stuff, you guys can, you guys will be able to talk about more about that. Uh, but yeah, it, just, it, was, it was like really quiet in 04. And then once 05 hit, these, this album was everywhere. I, I remember, For me at least. I remember first hearing of them because we were buying tickets. There was a whole group of us. We went to go see Franz Ferdinand, I believe, at the, beginning of, at the beginning of October in 2004. I remember one of our, one of our friends was going on about Arcade Fire and how they were coming to Guelph the same week and we should go. But I didn't know who they were. This was probably in July or August of that year. I'm like, I don't know who they are. I'm not sure. Maybe if I check them out. And I just remember a month before uh, the, the concert, that's when the album dropped. And all, that's when I kind of heard about them, got the album, got, you know, yeah, became a fan. But at that point, tickets were sold out, and uh, yeah. the concert was out of reach. But I did see them at Hillside, like Gordon brought up. Me and I, me and Ryan were there at Hillside Festival, and they put on a great show. See, that's a, lot, a one concert I always miss, because like, I was traveling. I was in a different city for school and stuff like that. So I always kick myself, because like you tell me the lineup for that band. You bought the tickets for like almost like dirt cheap, because it's just a festival in Guelph. And then you hear say the lineup now, and you're just like, what the fuck? Like... I'm kicking myself every time. Like, didn't you say broken social scene? What I mean, Sam Roberts was like the headliner, like at the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then there was just so many other great Canadian yeah, indie. I don't even remember. There was so much. There was. Uh, I remember you said Sarah Sleen, like Buck sixty five. I think Buck sixty five. Yeah. Three times we saw like the weaker, uh, the weaker thens were they? They were there. There was. Um, was chaos at that? He Sounds was there. Like I don't whippy. remember him performing though. Uh, metric was metric there. There, I believe the star. Pretty much all the broken social the stars, Yeah, yeah. We performed like, individually and together, and they did a, a thing for CBC Radio. It was, it was a great weekend. Three days. Yeah. Yeah, that just sounds like amazing. Like that show would probably cost hundreds of dollars now to go. To. What, is, what are they <laughs> oh, doing? Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't know. Who likes? Who's listening to throw on Buck sixty five nowadays? Are they gonna do it on Zoom this year? Did they do it? Like do like a virtual thing? Probably not. I don't know. Yeah, festivals are a distant dream now. <laughs> um, so I guess this kind of opens it up to uh, the song questions. Um, so they did have, I didn't even notice this until we were doing research for this album, that they had so many singles. Um, so the singles that they do have were um, Neighborhood 1, Tunnels, uh, Neighborhood 2, Leica, 
uh, Neighborhood 3, Power Out, uh, then Rebellion Lies, and then they finished with Wake Up. And that final single came out November 4th, or was labeled as a single, November 14th, 2005. Um, and I didn't even know that their biggest single is actually their last one which is wake up i know it picked up because it was sponsored on a lot of things and, and it was used like for super bowl and yeah. stuff like that yeah. um but i didn't even know that um so what, what do you guys think is their biggest song well it seemed like rebellion lies was like the biggest at that album when they were actually released like as when it was released as a single they performed it everywhere they performed it i believe the much musical awards and some talk shows maybe mm-hmm. but uh it Wake Up was, it seemed like that kind of, was just kind of put everywhere. It was on soundtracks, it was in commercials, and that sort of built over maybe time, and it's still sort of played at certain events and sporting events, and they still close their shows with it, so. It's a big pump-up epic, right? So it is the epic of the album. Like, when it comes on, you're like. Yes, I feel like when the album was being promoted, it was Rebellion, but now it's Wake Up is probably the biggest song from this album. Yeah, hmm. I agree with I agree with what you were saying, Nice. I thought I honestly thought Rebellion Lies was their biggest song, and then Spotify kind of proved me wrong. But I don't know, maybe amongst fan like amongst Arcade Fire fans, I, I'm pretty sure most people like Rebellion Lies more than Wake Up. But I mean, I'm I don't know. I have no idea. So it was Power Out the first single? Like was it that was the lead? The third single. The third yeah. single? Yeah, the first track was the lead single. Yeah, it wasn't. Okay. I don't believe it was. It was until uh, Rebellion where they were actually getting at least surprisingly in Canada on much music and the, the edge. I don't, I don't remember hearing much of the other tracks until rebellion became a single. Honestly on edge. I don't remember hearing like any arcade fire. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, just... now you can't get away from it with, they yeah. still like keep the car running. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Staple. But uh, no, I, 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 but I just remember rebellion being performed everywhere, like talk shows and stuff like that. Yeah. I always remember Power Out being like coming after Rebellion Lies, but in reality, that's not the case. Maybe they released the videos, or that's just how the songs caught on. One was catchier than the other. I think, I think it was one of those like one of those things where one's Rebellion was being played, and they became more of a staple, especially when the second album came out, where their stuff was actually being played regularly, regularly on the radio. That's when they would kind of throw back to the older songs, and we're like, oh look, no, we always played these songs. So. <laughs> If Rebellion is the, the song that really bro- broke them, in a way, is that... Well, I think commercially. Commercially. Is yeah. that their best single out of the... Like, is that... Was that the right choice? I think I so. I, to me, that's my favorite song on... Like, favorite really? single, favorite song. It's... Yeah, it's just a great song. I love that song so much. Wow. My favorite song is the first track, actually. Same. Oh, I have to go yeah. with the first track, too. Nice. I was going to... I, I had that as my underrated, because I was like, do people talk about this song enough? Because it's it's such a good song. Yeah, I, I, had it, I had it in both spots, but yeah, I just... I, I love how it opens the album. I like how the song slowly picks up. It seems like the, the band is slowly coming together, and it sort of creates the vibe for the whole album going yeah. forward, where it, that, one of the aspects that differentiates them... Uh, and you gives them the whole indie rock name is the fact that the album is so kind of lo-fi produced it isn't there isn't it sounds very very uh like they just picked up their instruments and started playing with a group of friends as opposed to in a studio it just feels so uh natural yeah it's nice and gritty mm-hmm. um yeah that that first track really sucks you in to listen to the rest of the album like you already it starts off with an epic right so but it's not just an epic it's a pop song that's like pumping and so yeah that's a great that's 
definitely my favorite. And I think it's probably the best single. Nice. It creates a nice pace that the whole album kind of keeps up. Even when yeah. the songs slow down, that, that pace is still kind of there. When you listen to a song like Crown of Love, it might slow down the pace of the album, but it, like it might slow down, but that, that same sort of pace is still there. Yeah. Yeah. So just to add on what you guys are saying about um, Tunnels, the first track, I, I think it's a great table setter, like what you guys are saying, uh, for the album. It, it really sets the pace, the tone, everything about the album. Uh, I also like how it starts like slow and quiet. It's almost like you're, you're waking from a dream to a steady build. Uh, you're waking, I put the slumber of adolescence. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's got that steady build. And by the end of it, you're just like, you're on your way. It's like, woo, woo, woo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when the out. drums come in, the first time the drums come in, ah, just sweet, sweet pickup. But uh, I'll have to, I want to point out probably my favorites as a single. I know Tunnel, like Neighborhood One was technically a sing- single. Mm-hmm. But I think for as, as a single though, I love Power Out. Because when I first heard that song on the album, like I, I I don't know it may have been a single already but I just remember falling in love with that song just because really? of how hard Power Out hit and I had other friends who didn't really listen to rock music or indie rock music who liked that song which hmm. I found pretty interesting you know I'm sorry I don't know like Power Out is great at first like it's and I can see how people would be like yeah I like that beat yeah it's just like goes on and on with that same. But that's what I'm I saying. That's exactly that's what I'm saying. Then I'm done. I'm done. That's exactly what I'm saying, though. When I first heard the album, that song jumped out at me. So it kind of hooked me. Like it was as a single, I found it works as hooking someone in just because of how yeah. strong it is. And if you've seen them live at all, that song is. <laughs> I can imagine that. Fantastic live. Do you go back to it? Like, is it one of your favorites still? Oh yeah! Like, if the just the live experience of that song, it just elevates the song. So it, I, I think it just brings back those memories because I have so much nostalgia connected from that hillside. Yeah, from driving to Montreal to go see them, seeing or to seeing them in Toronto. Like I've seen them so many times, and I have so many memories connected to just that song being performed. Hmm. Would you yeah. call that song the banger? Yes, it is a banger. <laughs> it's a it's a banger, but it gets kind of monotonous. I gotta say, like out of the singles, probably my least favorite. Probably my least favorite. That's funny because I mean I'm I'm in the Anise camp with this one, um, simply because uh, it's it, it's just so much. I know it's kind of, it might come off as repetitive, but the way the song comes crashing in, the way it's it's verses, the verses slowly just disappear into choruses, and you're just rocking out at the end. It's I. Is it their longest song? Yeah. But it's like sustained like, energy the entire time. I, know, I love when it's like creating all that tension and suspense with like the violin and then it all like kind of kicks in and you have like the xylophone or whatever going. And Yeah, yeah, it cuts, it cuts to that. Okay, so there's some good moments of it, it, but I don't know. It's just those same two chords over and over just gets... Uh, yeah, I, I understand, but I don't know. I come from a world where I, I, I also like like house music where I don't mind. Yeah, it is, yeah, it's definitely like that. Um I guess I just wouldn't put it on that much. I think I really liked it when I first heard it because I was like, oh, this is the song. Like That's what I recognized as Arcade Fire uh, initially when I first listened to this. But I don't know. Over time, I just stopped listening to it. it, it and it also fit pretty well with at the time when you had uh, stuff like the Rapture and the Yaya Yaz coming out that were more high energy with the dirtier guitar, yeah. the dirtier sound. It kind of fit in with those songs. So it was easily put into play like for me to be put on a playlist or on a mix yeah. with, with those same songs. festival 
And I mean, just to add on, like the sound that that song creates, it, it's it kind of becomes like an arcade fire staple, like that foreboding guitar riff with the intense bass. Like you often, they often revisit that sound with like Monkey yeah. May or Reflector later on. Like that, just like that power power out. I don't yeah. even know what else to call it. It's, it's powerful. Yeah, because it seemed like a lot of the like the dancier elements that were sort of laid in this uh, on this album were songs that build up to these dancey ends or breaks or whatever. yeah, yeah, they'll cut into just like the dance. Yeah, whereas now nowadays they've completely leaned heavily into the dance, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I really like Reflector for that. Like, was, is the whole album called Reflector, or is it just the? Yeah, yeah this yeah. is the first track. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. no, I, I really like and like Haiti kind of hints at that, right? That whole dancey little bit of Latin stuff. Uh, so that track on this album is is dancey from the start. So they they got it in them for sure. Yeah, I, I, Haiti is one of my favorites too. I just I, I love uh, I love it. Kind of creates like a different vibe almost from the rest of the album. It's yeah. chill. Now that I acoustic could... guitar when it, when you cut in with an acoustic guitar after all this craziness, it's just like a chill. It's like dreamy clips, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you got to appreciate how they, they, in the best way possible, incorporate steel drums into the song. Like, it just, it works with the song. It doesn't make the song sound lame. And it's like, oh, the song's called Haiti. Like, her parents, uh, Regine Chassin, yeah, parents are yeah. from Haiti. Which is cool. Uh, speaking of, like, percussion that can ruin a song i'm surprised that they use sleigh bells on in track two like that they got away with it i don't even think i realized it until listening back like for this podcast and like wait a minute they use sleigh bells i'm always afraid to record sleigh bells and like this is going to turn into a christmas song but uh, I, I also remember the one year it was getting a lot of play around christmas time i think purely for that reason <laughs> <laughs> Add the sleigh bells. There you go. Christmas album. So is, is, is sleigh bells also on the first track too, right? Like they're not using steel drums yet on the first track. Like when it's near the end, where everything's kind of crashing and they and they're all uses. If there's sleigh bells in the first track, it's probably buried. I didn't notice that. I didn't notice that because it seems like it, maybe it's just piano, but it seems to get bigger or more intense. I'm like, is there an extra instrument there or a different sound? I don't know. I, I think for the second track, they actually took things in quite a different direction meaning like they showed more their more the weirder side of it like for example they like they use the accordion yeah, the accordion the terrible the song kicks in with that kind of it's almost like sounds like a broken drum beat with the harmon with the harmonics being played on the guitar it sounds yeah weird. it's weird and some of the vocal performances are, are getting even more weird even though like already on the first track there's been some moments where you don't know what the hell the lyrics are or anything like uh, that and you start getting like layers of instruments that are just kind of coming in and out and just for certain sections of the song they're yeah, they use the string sections and stuff. So, yeah, uh, it's a little bit harsher, the second track. I feel like they try to get that out of the way. <laughs> it's like, here's all the weird shit. So if you don't like this in track two, you're probably going to hit some bumps along the road. I, I find it's um, it, that song has almost like the essence of like, OK, computer. Like it's got like the weirdness that the layers mm. of sound and it, it it is kind of a unique track on the album like after that you don't really hear everything seems a more um more friendly to to everyone like in terms of like yeah. the sound like it's not it's not like okay this like i can see people wanting to skip that song if they're not full into like it seemed uh, like a lot it also just, seemed like a lot of the time when you had violins and and stuff mixed with sort of pop music it was a lot it wasn't as uh sort of dirty as this like yeah muffled mm. vocals and it kind of has like the the punk energy of, of of just the energy of 
the people playing in the in a room. Yeah, yeah. I could have done without the accordion though. <laughs> just ask it. Add a damn thing. I love the accordion. We Actually, can... later in the song, when you hear the string section come in, they have to mix that accordion way down because it does not fit with anything. Oh just, no! It's just like a sore thumb sticks out. Anyway. Um, so, um, do you have a favorite song, Ryan, or was track two your was, favorite? Yeah, song? Tunnels. Is, that's, oh, Tunnels is your favorite. That's song. the first. That's the best song on the album. Um, do you guys have uh, an underrated track? I, I I said I thought Tunnels was mine. Um, I didn't even realize it was a single when I yeah, when I wrote I that. I put I, ha- I actually put Tunnels in Haiti, but you guys pointed out those songs, so yeah, uh, Haiti was my underrated too, just because you know, maybe probably at the time it was the most in the direction of their like reflector album so it kind of st- stuck out a little bit it, it is a song that i've i've seen i've seen them a bunch of times and they always play it live so it's a song that they do play live so they it sounds like it's fun yeah yeah but i, I don't know I, I was going to say yeah, i don't really hear people talk about it but <laughs> people yeah. really talk about arcade fire in general but usually if they do, it's it's usually the singles that are the ones lifted out because there are so many to pick from when it comes yeah, to singles. Yeah. yeah I, is definitely a foreshadowing whereas, song. Tunnels was a single, but I feel like that's underrated because it's more the attention was with Rebellion and with uh, yeah. Wake Up. So I think yeah. you're right. You guys are both right that Tunnels is the underrated song because it's yeah. also the best song. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I had that as I, I had track one and two as underrated just because like who talks about track two other than us <laughs> the last five minutes. <laughs> the only conversation. Yeah. Um, so is, there, is there a song that you guys... <laughs> we, we even called track two by name. I'm like, no, it's I don't think we did. to Leica, Leica. I don't even know how to say it. That's why we avoided it. <laughs> it's just... There, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, too. Like, um, I didn't actually own this album till till later on because, like, I have different ways of hearing it through, like, friends or my girlfriend yeah. at the time. Like, they, we... So I, I don't think I bought this until way later. I think it was... Um, probably it might have been it was definitely a twofer at hmv i probably bought it maybe even 06 <laughs> by the time i finally owned a physical copy of a funeral well this mm-hmm. is also at the time since this is the generation of where we started downloading where yeah. the song just became files on your computer i Very true these and song just, names there was a track 10 out of nowhere <laughs> yeah the song names i didn't really know I didn't, <laughs> it's not that i didn't know all the songs i did obviously know like rebellion and and wake up just sort of the bigger singles you would slowly learn the songs or power out because they say the name in the song yeah right but yeah tunnels i didn't know the name and even now i was like oh the song is called seven kettles because you can it sounds like ke- there's kettles <laughs> <laughs> exactly i never even knew like i knew there was a song neighborhood four seven kettles but i never really put two and two together <laughs> yeah i the whole neighborhood thing obviously makes it a little bit harder to remember what the hell the song names are because you what do i call this um but like what is that about anyway what do you guys think that's about why are is this their continuous like neighborhood numbering going well, on not, the lyric lyrically like i'm not much of probably people can tell we don't get too deep into the lyrics i'm not much of like a lyric guy where i break everything down but yeah it seems like a lot of the songs are just evoking nostalgia, talking about youth growing up, yeah, friends and yeah. yeah. They, it seems like they revisit later with suburbs as well. But I kind of thought like, okay, if they didn't have all these songs labeled neighborhood, I might have been like, oh, here they are singing about nostalgic neighborhood stuff again. But because they did label them, I was like, it was meant to be. Like it's about that. 
You know what yeah. I mean? So maybe after the fact, they're just like, let's just all call these neighborhoods. Um, and I think that that could also be a reason why it resonated with us so much. Cause like at that time we're all going to college, we're doing like we're essentially moving out of the house. Yeah. We're moving out. And it's, so this album has a different, like if this album came out maybe two years earlier, it might not even have the same impact that it does now or like that did on us. Yeah. yeah. For us specifically. Yeah, for sure. We just had that perfect zeitgeist of age and like the, that, this type of music becoming more relevant in the mainstream and available. Yeah. And available. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you touched on this earlier, Anise, but Pitchfork had a big push for this. And I think um, I, I bring this up just because I think they had a good, well, it's one of my favorite Pitchfork reviews for this album. They gave it a 9.7 out of 10. And they said, um, one line from it at least is, uh, funeral evokes sickness and death, but also understanding and renewal, childlike mystification, and also the impending coldness of maturity. And I think that sums up the album perfectly. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, because at that point, too, I know Pitchfork has sort of died off now. It still exists, and I still follow it for music news and just to see some of the stuff that's going on now. But at the time, like I was saying at the beginning, Pitchfork would pretty much mention a band, and they would yeah. they can make or break a career, it seemed like. If they gave you a good review, you were everyone's going to love you, everyone's going to download your album, buy your album, go to your shows. If they gave you a bad review, you would be almost blackballed. Yeah, like 04, 05 is when I was remember reading like Pitchfork reviews in college. And I remember just seeing like, just going back and reading old reviews. Like obviously, yeah, you've, you've forgotten people by Broken Social Scene, you're going back 2002. But every when I stumbled on this review, I was just like 9.7, Jesus Christ. Like that's, they're high, they gotta be one of the highest reviews I've ever seen Pitchfork give. Like usually like 9.1, you'll see like a, a high yeah. eight, but like nearly a 10. Like but those are I, almost unheard of. Time, they, they kind of gave other albums because didn't they give source tags and codes from, uh, and you will know us by the trail of dead at 10. Was that a re-review though? No, I think that was the original. Oh, was it? And then, uh, Cause the I know re- they've gone back and done re-reviews like that. And I believe the review for the moon in Antarctica is like a nine points eight or something as well i think that or maybe even a 10. Mm-hmm. i pretty much went to album, the store and bought that album because of that it did seem like at that time there was there was these albums and bands who were making the style of music were kind of peaking too at the right time mm-hmm. because there was a bigger eye on the genre and these people were kind of releasing their best work yeah um so i guess we can just kind of finish up the song questions is is there a song that you skip on this album? I know answer Ryan's answer because he's probably never heard the song. No, but I I actually do skip Power Out to be honest. It's just not what I'm looking for when I put this album on. Maybe because it's that 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 like you know that power doesn't exist throughout the album, so it's not what I put Funeral on for. I mean, it does in in little clumps here and there, but that's I'm I'm looking for usually like these big epic you know it's the epics that i want on the album so so are you saying that song's too hard for you yeah it's too heavy it's too Too heavy heavy. (laughs) (laughs) no it's just that i i don't know i don't know there's something about it maybe it's like the the we i i know what it is it's the weird little key change they do in the verse when the vocals cut in i just got a thing about key changes like if you do too much of it it just turns me off i'm like ah that's it key change guy that's what it comes down to that's awesome. Um, I guess to answer the question, my, I, if I had to answer this question, I would say the last song. Um, just because once you get to Rebellion Lies, you're like, I'm going to go sprint outside. Like, this song's <laughs> um, But that's it. You need this. I think you do need the last song, though, because thematically it just fits on the album. Oh, yeah. And yeah. without it, the album's not complete without it. It would be missing something. So it's, it's, a con- like, it's the conclusion of the album, and it's rightfully there. 
Yeah, I'll answer this by the songs that I don't revisit because I, as much as I listen to this album from beginning to end, there's a lot of times where I'll just go back for certain specific songs. I, I'd say the only two songs that I'd never really go back to listen to specifically is the Un Anne Sans Lumiere and the last song in the backseat. Really? Yeah. Is it just the French? You sound like French. Uh, I don't know why, but I, I, I don't remember a time where I just sort of picked out that song to play. Like I like it in context of the album, but just to, yeah. but just to like, you know, be out in the car and be like, oh, what song should I throw on? I've never just jumped that <laughs> straight. You know, it would be. Sorry, just I did throw on. Let's just say I put on Leica for for whatever reason. I would probably let it play through. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, you mentioned something earlier, Anise, that I think is true in, in, uh, with this track and uh, with Crown of Love, um, that this album pretty much has, like, energy kind of crackling throughout it. So, like, when you hear track three and it's, like, it's kind of, like, starts slow and you're just, like, you're following along with it. But then for, like, the final 45 seconds, it just really picks up and just breaks out. Like, it almost yeah. changes the whole dynamic of the song. Yeah. And same with Crown of Love. Like, it's, like, the super slow song. And then for, like, the last minute, it's, like, a dance beat. And it's, like, where did this come from? It seems like all their songs have like this tension built built in in the pace that at any moment, like, Wynn can just look back and nod his head, and they're all just going to start rocking. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it for sure. There's a little un- underlying like uh, yeah building of en- energy, and you can hear it in the track. Sometimes they got a bunch of layers of like strings just doing like some string noise, and it just kind of feels like something's about to happen, even yeah. though you know it's just background stuff. Yeah, uh, that's what. Like, in Un Anne Sans Lumiere, they, it's kind of the, a slower track, but then it picks up at the end and then, bam, power out. So it yeah. serves a purpose. It's almost like that ending part could be taken out as like a, I don't know, yeah. like interlude or something. It's, it, it is a quite relaxing break on the album, I find anyway, though after uh, track two's craziness. Yeah. It's very pretty. And the, the French, that, it just... It makes me feel. It reminds me of the CBC and just you know Canada and stuff. It makes me feel at home. So yeah, yeah no, I, I like that. With it, though. I like that you brought up the power out thing again, Anise. I mean, not not to hammer this home with Ryan or anything, but like, <laughs> I mean, it, that tension is that tension is always there, and like the the way the songs are structured and like the whole album just seems it feels thematic. Like it feels like you're on this story, you're on this journey, and and it, it there's always that tension. I mean, and then there's also like on top of it, the name of the album, kind of this dread, this impending dread that's over it. So it's it's really a mixed bag of of emotions. Yeah, because it does seem like Power Road is the first time they like really let loose like the yeah right away, power. and then you don't hear it again until Wake Up, where they kind of let go of everything, but it's more of like a euphoric. A euphoric thing, and then rebellion yeah. is a ch- rebellion is a chant. But mm-hmm. <laughs> those are probably like the three biggest where they sort of let everything, all the tension, let all the tension out. Yeah. Um, so, did you guys have any uh, anything else that you wanted to add about the song specifically? Did well, you- I just want to mention uh, one thing about Crown of Love because we just talked about it a little. Oh, okay, bit. yeah, yeah. Let's talk about that. But one. it's just I noticed like it. I, did you guys get like a bit of a fifties vibe? from a 50s kind of uh ballad earth angel kind of vibe going on yeah, that's something i would get sure. from the sound of the drums and it's just a you know and a, a unique a nice another little spice on the album but it doesn't stand out oddly it doesn't it's not like really i i find it stands out for me i always have me like singing along because huh. it's sort of it's sort of like that whole 
it's like a dance. It's almost like a dance song. You can have a slow dance too, but it's yeah, yeah. It still has like a heartbreaking vibe, like the lyrics. Like if you still this, want is, your, this is Arcade Fire. Yeah, down yeah. the golf girl. <laughs> it has to be depressing, even when you're dancing. <laughs> um, oh, I just wanted to add, um, just for Rebellion Lies, um, one of my favorite live performances that. I often just revisit is the 2006 Coachella set and it's on YouTube and it's just, it's amazing. Like it's a pure, you watch it and it's so chaotic. The crowd's energy that you got the sun setting in the background. There's so much happening on stage and they play it at an increased tempo. So it's, it's, they're just whipping through the song and it just, it's exhilarating. You just watch that, you, you close your computer and then you're out to go have some drinks like with some buddies or something. Like it's, it's a great video. So I highly recommend that one if you guys haven't seen it. But yeah, just, yeah. Just, to go, just to jump back to Crown of Love, sorry. Uh, though the song I was saying like the kind of has like the heartbreaking sound mm -hmm. vibe with the lyrics, but the ending is still full of hope when it kind of kicks back in with the violins. Yeah, it's true. Like it's a superhero theme. <laughs> yeah, no, the ending of that song is is great. I mean, I was thinking I'm like, is this a song that I listen to all the time? But then when when you get through those three minutes and you get to the end, it's just filled with so much hope, and you just want to stand up and dance. Like it's it's yeah. a great song. And it's it's quite, the melodies are quite beautiful leading up to that. So there's yeah. lots. It's not like a wait. Um, I had wake up. I was considering wake up. I'm like, is this a song that I skip? And then when I was listening to it this morning, just to get ready for this episode, I'm like, no, man, this song's pretty badass. Like, and especially yeah. when you mix it, if you've seen it live, it's something else entirely. Yeah, where they like kind of walk out into the crowd and sort of keep performing. Everyone's singing along. It's great. But I okay, do so, find, like, even, oh, sorry, if, even when you do throw on, like, an individual track from this album, just the way everything flows together, you're sort of committed. Like, even when I, I, I was yeah. saying earlier, like, if I put on an individual track, I'll listen to the next track. Just even if I stop it at that point, it's almost one song isn't enough. Yeah, you need to feel the flow a bit. It, they're not just, like, yeah, not just a one thing. Yeah. Isolate. It's supposed to show you, like, how cohesive and strong this album is as a whole. Like, yeah. it, like, like, it is a concept album, I guess, with the lyrics, so it was made that way. And it's something they kind of carry forward, too. Like, listening to Neon Bible and Suburbs this week, uh, they do the same thing on those albums, too, where one song flows nicely to the next song, where mm -hmm. when you're, like, thinking back on Neon Bible, I always think, I don't know why, but my brain does this. It always thinks of that as, like, a lesser album. But then going back to listening to it, I'm like, no, this album's great. I don't know why I just think this. Uh huh. Fantastic. Yeah. No, I agree. I, every time I revisit that album, I think it's, I, I like it more every time. I don't. I mean, we can talk about more in the rankings, but yeah, it's on its own. It's it's an amazing album. Yeah, for sure. Um. So I guess we can. I we have a question. What do you guys think of the album art? So I mean, for this one, I actually found the album. I went back and looked for it. So, so I'll do a little little show and tell. It's it's still in really good shape because I I didn't listen to it or didn't you know, use the actual CD. <laughs> yeah, it's got the, I got the actual CD in here. Like, of course. I, know, I was going to go in and look for it because I have their, um, I have their first EP as well. I was going to try to bust those out, but, oh, nice. but, uh, and then I didn't even notice good. they had, they got liner notes and it's like a whole booklet. Yeah. Very nice. <laughs> and very then, nice. and it gives like a little story and all the thank yous of how the album was made. So like researching anyone, on Wikipedia, just, just read the liner notes. <laughs> To anyone yeah. just listening, Gordon pulled out the CD and is. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Right. We're, yeah um, but one thing I think is kind of funny about the album, it's got like, it's got a handwriting with a feather on the cover, and yep. it's got um, like just a sleeve of an old-looking jacket. Now this was like their look for like I think the first two, maybe even three albums. They just had this like old, I don't know if it's like twenties or thirties 
look yeah. to them. They just they look like a band that was like a Mennonite band. Like they didn't need electricity to play their instruments, and they just <laughs> somehow made music. <laughs> At that time too, that was. Like, at that time too, I was getting in. I was listening to like those twee pop bands who were kind of they were dressed similar to that, and I was listening to, uh, you know, some of the folkier stuff or like Neutral Milk Hotel where everyone looked Amish. It seemed like it was yeah. the look, and then it truly came to a head with Mumford and Sons. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh boy. It's funny that you mentioned New, Neutral Milk Hotel because I think is it Merge that these guys are on. Um, yeah, Merge. So before this album, Neutral Milk Hotel was their number one selling album, and then this album eclipsed that. Yeah. I would just associate Neutral Milk with that whole Elephant Six. Okay, yeah. And I would just associate it with that. Um, yeah. So I guess we can... I guess we can move on, uh, I guess, with some, some final kind of band questions uh, or album questions. Um, how, how, where does this, how often is this album in your rotation, uh, Anise? Uh, I'd say fairly regularly pretty if whenever arcade fire comes up or if they release a new song it, it, that's always part of listening to a new song or a new album is going back and listening to everything because i have such a connection to these songs as we were covering like kind of growing up with them in our formative years going to college and at this point i was going to a lot of concerts too so i pretty much saw them on every tour but Neon Bible. Maybe that's why I think of that album as, a, as differently, because I never saw it live. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, I know just they put on a great live show. So I, I revers, re, re, uh, revisit it fairly regularly, if not the whole album, just individual tracks. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of a regular rotation at this point. It's, it's part of my classic rock rotation. <laughs> <laughs> would, yeah. would it be would you say it's like in your top 10 uh it's probably in my top 10 along with some of the other bands that we've mentioned like broken social scene or wolf parade pretty much a lot of the stuff that was coming out around that time is still regularly in my playlist because some of, a lot of them are still releasing music so mm -hmm. it's easier to keep them fresh in your mind whereas some of the bands who disappeared from that area era i don't really maybe listen to as much because i don't think of them whereas rk far is always there and them putting out those live performances during this lockdown kind of made me re-fall in love with them again just because i was revisiting those performances which made me revisit the albums which and now we're doing this so it's this they've been for a year where they didn't release anything <laughs> i was listening to them a lot <laughs> yeah how about you right I listened to this a lot more when Reflector came out because I listened to that a lot, but for the most part, kind of like in chunks. Kind of like what Anise was saying, like one tr they lead to one track leads to the next, but two particular trunk chunks. Like I'll I'll listen to usually this chunk Crown of Love, Haiti, and Wake Up. That that and Tunnels on its own. But I won't get too much far into track two. So those are the two spots that I, I, I kind of like gravitate towards. Like maybe I'll listen to Rebellion as well. But after I wake up, I'm usually that's pretty epic already. I feel like, uh, I feel like you guys are dislike Lake a lot more than I do. I, I like that song. I'm, I'm the one shitting on it mostly. Yeah, no, no. I like it too. I thought it was underrated. Um, yeah. I, I, definitely, I definitely don't skip it. Um, it's, it's okay. I, it's, what's good about it? I'm trying to I'm trying to find some like quality that I can say some positive comment. But... Well, well, like I was saying, I like the intro how it starts off. I, I it's very easy to sing along to. Yeah, 
the bass is kind of infectious. Dun, 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 dun. I think it works. I think it works. It doesn't do as much as the other songs, but when you're first listening to the album, it kind of flows nicely with the first track. Yeah. The up and it's easily like by the second verse, you're kind of singing along. I bet you that if that song was later on in the album, it would have been one of the skip tracks. It's like, all right. It's like you just stuff it. But because they put it up front, it's like it had a chance. But that's part of putting an album together is yeah. the order of the tracks. If you are going to have a song that's kind of redundant and not as good and you throw it at the end, it might get skipped. Whereas if it's at the beginning, it's going to be viewed differently because it's heard before everything else. So yeah, it's more I think, on them. I think the other thing that you have to factor in is I think they approach this kind of as a concept album or as a concept album. So you kind of need the pacing of that second track. Like if it just went from tunnels, like track one to power out, like a, oh, yeah. like a traditional rock album, you'd be like, yeah, okay, that's amazing. But then you're not listening to like the last five tracks. So I think the pacing is a, an important factor with this album specifically. Yeah, and and the contrast between track two and track three, when Lumiere comes in, it's just really nice and pretty and gentle. So you got you got a break from that, right? From you get a break, break like a butterfly from... in a hurricane. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So yeah, it, for me, it's in my rotation. Uh, I mean, Arcade Fire songs are always on the radio, or, or they seem to be. I mean, when I used to drive a car, um, but now with now with Spotify, it's I, I finally get into this almost like a trap, and I'm happy to be involved or get in this trap where I'll put on this album, and then I want to listen to Neon Bible, and then I want to listen to Suburbs, and those th- first three I can just zip through because they're about like I think Suburbs is probably the longest one, but they're all about like 40, 45 minutes. Like they, they're not too bad to listen to. So when I'm at work, it's just like yeah, next album next album and i'll, I'll get into reflector because that one's a good album mm. too so yeah. like those fours first four at least the first three i can zip through them no problem because yeah, the first three too also came out at the perfect age for us that now it's literally the music we grew up with so looking back we have more of a connection with those three albums but yeah. I, still, I still enjoyed reflector with a good tour i actually like reflector more than suburbs i listen to it more the one thing that hurts that album for me is that it's a double disc Oh, on Spotify, it's even better because it's just I'm listening to it. But like in the car, I had to like uh, <laughs> make a, put change disc or, or wait for the for the thing to shuffle. So that's kind of what hurt it for me. And it seemed like an album that was like it could have fit on one disc, but I think it's like 85 minutes, so that's probably mm-hmm. why. But it seems like it's not like melancholy where it's like okay, yeah, you're getting 28 tracks. It's like you're getting right. 10 or 11 tracks. It's funny because when you just said it was a double disc, I completely forgot because that was one of those. I believe I got that album when I got the concert ticket. It was just sort of, oh, I got it on my shelf, rip it onto the computer on my shelf. Yeah. iPod, it was just one file. Yeah. (laughs) A friend sent it to me too. So, like, I had just, I I didn't know it was a double disc. I think I did know it was a double disc, but it's just like, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, same. Yeah. And I mean, I think rightfully so, but, um, so how do you guys rank this album in the band's discography? Like what, what, if uh, you have to throw out a ranking of their five albums, what do you guys, or I mean, if you want, you can throw the EP in, but the the five studio albums, what do you think? Um, I actually put neon Bible as my favorite. That's, that's the one that drew me in the most. Um, and then I would put funeral next and then Reflector, and then Suburbs, the Grammy Award-winning album, last. Well, you forgot everything oh, now. Yeah, have you heard any, everything now? Yeah, I, I haven't. I've listened to it a bit, but I don't really have a relationship with it, so I, I don't know if I could put it on a ranking, honestly. 
everything now is currently in the CD player in my car because it's the last CD I ever purchased. <laughs> so it's sitting in my car. It's my backup. If my Bluetooth doesn't work, it's everything now. All right. Well, what's it like? Where do you put, like, well, what's your ranking then? Where does this one land? Uh, I brought, I was, I kind of back, went back and forth between Funeral and Suburbs on which one, um, I would rank first because those are those are my two favorite but i had to go with funeral just because it's a lot i just like the flow of it a lot more yeah and not that suburbs is has poor songs or worse songs or anything because that's a great album too and it might actually be uh an album i might rec- recommend to someone who's never heard arcade fire to get him in i might recommend suburbs over funeral makes sense but uh i go funeral then suburbs uh, then Neon Bible, Reflector, and I'd rank Everything Now last. I was really not a fan of Everything Now. But I, I feel like a lot of the um, a lot of the songs felt incomplete. Hmm. Had good ideas and good concepts. Like they started out good and had a good vibe, but it just seemed like it could have used a couple more passes at at the band going over them. That's just my opinion. I thought it would improve with seeing them live. I'm like, oh, maybe if I go, go see these songs live, I'd like them better. I was disappointed in the live performance. I don't think it had anything to do with the band. I think it was more the setup of the stage. Huh. They did the whole circular stage thing. Oh. And, I, and you would think for me, it was almost like tailor-made to me being Broken Social Scene opening for Arcade Fire. And yeah. it, I would have to rank them last on when I've seen both those bands live. Probably the worst I've seen Broken Social Scene live, and I've seen them over, I've seen them about a dozen times. Yeah. And last for or for Arcade Fire, and I've seen and this is the most recent. Yeah. Right? So have they just lost it? Like they did the whole ring thing where yeah. there was no front of the stage, so you kind of lost the intimacy with the crowd, and there were so many people there. And we were kind of in a weird spot where even when Broken Social Scene was playing, we weren't. They weren't facing us. <laughs> so I don't know. It just I felt so disconnected from the show. Yeah. I mean. Really? If I was on the floor, it might have been different, but I just I, I didn't have a good time, and my it just it doesn't help with the whole, you know, with the album and rollout for me. So that album was a fail. In my <laughs> but like, what about the music on the album? What do they What do they do that you said that the the songs could use a, like a bit more of a song? Yeah. They, they like they're they're doing the more dancey thing now. They're working with I believe they're still working with James Murphy now from LCD Sound System, which is great, right. and cool. But it just seems like they have a cool idea, but the song is too short. If you're so going yeah. to do these dancier songs, you kind of have to let them breathe a bit more. You can't have too many changes. And I, I don't know. I didn't, I haven't revisited it in a while, but I just remember not being a big fan of it. And just the songs, it's like I like what they were doing. It's just I didn't like the song. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, like, to, add, to add on to that, like, um, for everything now, me personally, it felt like an album when I was listening to it. It just felt long, like, it, it maybe incomplete songs, but it also just felt long. Like, after a while, it was just like, maybe it's too repetitive in, at points, or they're just revisiting, like, tracks, like, as a theme throughout, but it's just, it felt yeah. too long. There's no driving force through it. Yeah, that was part of the whole incompleteness where it felt like, did you guys even, like, like, I know that they, they're a band who does, you know, heart and soul into everything but it's almost like did you guys like fall asleep or something like <laughs> didn't, like you have to go through these songs like i feel like it needed another pass like i you know editing the songs, changing and making them better maybe even combining some songs because like what gordon was saying it, i i didn't feel like it was doing too many things mm. 
Yeah, no, I mean that album. It was produced by Thomas Bangalter, Arcade Fire, and Steve okay. McKay. So, okay, so um, I don't know who Steve McKay is. Well, Thomas Bangalter from Daft Punk. So right. We're keeping with the band, but I think I believe Jane Murphy then was Reflector then, right? Yeah, yeah, he, he was on that one. Um, and then just since I was I went to that concert with you, um, it kind of went like it, for that concert. I, that was my second time seeing Muse, or not Muse, but uh, Arcade Fire, and it felt like they went full Muse with their live show. And I was like, no, these guys are much better as like a festival band because we saw them in Montreal at Oceaga, and that experience was like amazing. And then they like they also they had the same song combinations from Funeral and stuff, so it should have worked in those moments, but it was still like. I don't know. It seemed like the damage, like you guys went full muse now. You got the circular stage and all that stuff. It doesn't work. Trying to be arena rock. Is that the issue? Yeah. I think they're better as festival rock than arena rock. Well, not, not just that. Cause what brought brings a lot to their show is just their energy. So they don't really need a big stage production. Cause they're bringing so much energy. Like I wish I could find the pictures I took at Hillside because I was right up against the stage. I have some really great photos. Yeah. They're probably somewhere on an external drive somewhere, but just looking at the pictures, you can see the energy. Like Will Butler was running around stage, like playing everything, and they were just like the guys were fighting on stage. It was just craziness. Like I, it was, it made me fall in love with the band. Like that day, you know. Yeah. Like I liked the album, and then I saw them live, and I'm like, this is fucking amazing. I can't wait for more of this. And and I've seen them like six or seven times since. So you know what I mean? Like I just love the live show, and I was just so disappointed with the last one because. Yeah. And this is a band where I'll watch their videos on YouTube from live shows and still, you know, feel that energy, but I couldn't get it from a live show. <laughs> well, I haven't, I haven't given it much listen. Um, I honestly don't feel very encouraged, but where does it land on your list? Gordon? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think everybody should listen to it just to be like the whole arcade fire experience. Um, but my ranking would be, I like any you hit on this. Uh, I go back and forth with suburbs and funerals being their best. A lot of times, sometimes I'll say I think suburbs is their best. Uh, sometimes I'll think funeral. Um, mostly I like suburbs a lot because I find it combines funeral, the elements on funeral, the themes on funeral with the elements and, and the rock from um, Neon Bible together to make a third album that is like more mature. That's it's got, it's similar, but it's different at the same time. And I think it works really well. Um, but my ranking would be, I guess funeral suburbs, like one, a one B two would be uh, neon Bible and then reflector. And then a distant last, I guess. Well, maybe not distant, but last. So you're the same, same as mine. Same as mine. Same yeah. as yours. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the only huge neon Bible fan. I actually, I think the last time we spoke about this in East neon Bible did not make it that high on your list pretty sure yeah because maybe it's one of those like i was saying earlier how when i think back at the album i think lesser of it for whatever reason but whenever i listen to it i actually really like it like when i was listening to it this week i was like fuck i forgot about this song and that song and this song and that, yeah. and that song it's I, and i think part of that is that i didn't go to the tour so i didn't have that same connection with the album yeah. with the other with the other four it, would you say it's also a weird departure from Funeral in, in some ways? Uh, they kind of leaned into how they were dressed. <laughs> <laughs> weird. I mean, if you guys want to, I'm, I'm totally on board to do an episode on that. So I don't know if you guys want to give away any secrets or anything or too many thoughts on it. But I, I, I'm, I'm, willing to spend, yeah, I'm willing to spend an episode uh, on, on Neon Bible. Talk about that another day. Um, so what do you, where do you place this album in history? I know we kind of hinted at it off the top of the show. Where we were talking about like, is it a generational album? Is it just the Canadian indie rock? Are we just right place, right time? So it's very specific to us being three guys from 85. Like, is that, 
how do you guys see it or how do you think other people see it? I think right place, right time is, is a perfect uh, a way of putting them because like we we're hinting at earlier how <clears throat> they kind of arrived at a time where the internet had taken over what was going to be popular as opposed to what was on the radio and what was on MTV or much music. So you had Arcade Fire gain a huge fan base and they were headlining shows but not really selling records. And I feel like that whole generation came to a head when they won that Grammy for Suburbs and everyone was like, who the fuck is this band? Yeah. People were saying, no, this is a great band. It's well-deserved. They, they're they freaking like headlining Coachella. How do you not know who they are? Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah. it just kind of, they were that band of who the hell is this band? I love this band. Where you kind of saw that on full display where the internet was now dictating whereas now you'll have people who are huge on the internet but they're not household names mm-hmm. yeah really for me that moment when they won, won the grammy it really confirmed that all of the stuff that i'm listening to and i think that is huge is not really like these are little bubble universes that don't always talk to each other and that was one moment where they connected and it was like what the heck there's all this music here were, were you upset as an eminem fan that you lost that he lost that night <laughs> it was lady, it was a lady gaga i forget the other ones that were nominated all the outrage <laughs> yeah i know what the hell um no yeah so that's I think this, in terms of history, if you look at them, history, if you look at them, like in terms of other popular acts at the time, uh, it's, it's, it, they were in an interesting spot when they won that Grammy, that the fact that they could just take one of their best albums and just on pure talent alone, just make that as a marketing strategy by winning that Grammy. Cause everyone's like, what the hell is this? But like even arcade fire fans like that album. So it's like, here's a great album. You should listen mm-hmm. to it. Like it's really good. And there's like that's the defense like just listen to it you'll probably enjoy it that's the best marketing man the best marketing is a great product when you grammy for album of the year make the fans happy make new people happy there you go but the funny thing is they probably only won that grammy because the more popular artists split the vote (laughs) in reality yeah you're probably right Uh, (laughs) another right place right time moment for that i don't know They're, they're still like that band who's at that that um that weird level where you see win playing like the nba celebrity game <laughs> winning mvp at the nba celebrity game you're like is he even a celebrity <laughs> uh, that's the other thing too like they're underrated in the mainstream because it's like when jay-z announced like title you have all these like marquee acts and it's like arcade fires it's like it's like jay-z kanye i think lady gaga arcade fire it's like <laughs> what <laughs> but yeah. it makes sense because everybody knows their talent and i think they have an extremely loyal following no matter what <laughs> Because they have a they have a big following, but they're not sort of forced down your down your face because they kind of arrived at the the internet generation. So it isn't like I, I'm not trying to talk down to any of these earlier bands, but when like Foo Fighter releases something new, it seems like it's everywhere because they predate the internet. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Kind of the old school. They're a record label band, right? And whereas Arcade Fire grew from the underground. And they and they almost are still maintained from the underground because you know it's that those people go to the shows and they buy the stuff and whatever they follow the stuff but nobody's advertising for Arcade Fire well maybe a little bit now I know well, uh, it's still weird because they have they have indie cred still but they're like having yeah. festivals and tours so it's it's bizarre. they manage to maintain the indie cred and make it to the top there so they can't do like you know some TV interviews and stuff. Are they going to maintain the indie cred or something? But well, no, uh, they, they do all the big shows. Like I believe they go yeah. on like Fallon and Kimmel and all that stuff. That's but true. 
but everyone sort of does now, I guess. I think, yeah, yeah I think the regular is on SNL. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess, uh, do you guys have any final thoughts before we ask uh, the question? Let's get to it. No, I think we covered everything. All right, is, is this album essential? Uh, go for it, Ryan. Um, yeah, so, like, this is really hard because... I don't know, like, how essential... it. This kind of depends on where you are. Because, like, if you want to understand, like, how music evolves, indie music especially, or rock music in general in Canada, I think Arcade Fire and this album is an important part of that whole thing. So I would say it's essential. Um, so if you're Canadian, I'm going to say it's essential. But outside of that, it's a bit of a mystery to me because, like, I don't know what their impact will be. Like, I thought they their impact was a lot bigger before it became apparent with that Grammy win that no, none of the mainstream people or a lot of the mainstream people didn't even know who they were. It's weird because I know that they're Canadian, but I don't associate them as much with Canada as I do other Canadian bands. Purely really? the fact that Wynn Butler is American. Yeah, they're brothers. They're brothers. Uh, yeah, Wynn brother. and Will Butler are... are they're from Texas. Texas. Yeah. Even with the French on the album? <laughs> yeah, I've heard the French, but even the French is... They're from Haiti. Oh, that's yeah, right. it's Haitian French. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they formed in Montreal, and there's a bunch of guys from Toronto or Ontario in the band. But, like, yeah, it's a weird mix. And I, I always find – I'm not going to call it dubious, but it's it's a weird label that they have as being Canadian because I think yeah. they're a really good mix of both they, countries. They didn't really countries. come through the Canadian ranks of, uh, like, the edge and much music and that because they they became big because of things like pitchfork and people like david bowie saying it is a great band and performing with them on tv oh yeah i remember that so it it, their their way to success wasn't in any way i attribute to canada as 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 i say that as a canadian a proud canadian that i don't attribute attribute their fame to being canadian one single bit well if you're right then they didn't back them they didn't back them they were playing nickelback they weren't playing arcade that's true if you're right, then Anise, I would say then yes, they are essential. This album specifically. Well, well do you this think they're essential? Right? This is where it began, right? This is the. So, do you think they're essential? You seem to be like on the fence about it. Are are you? Do you no, think no. Right? I'm, I'm going to say that, you know, well, the mystery to me was like, what is the impact outside of Canada? And if it really isn't a Canadian, it, Arcade Fire isn't really a Canadian band, like I feel, then I would say that they are essential in terms of like the history of indie. I'm not, I'm not saying they're not a Canadian band, but... Uh, I mean, you know what I mean. They're not, like, yeah. doesn't have that... They're not a broken social scene, you know, all from Toronto, playing all the indie yeah. bands, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Do you want to go, Anise, or do you want me to go? Um, you can, I, I can go. Go for it. Uh, I would say the the albums... Like I was saying earlier, if I had to recommend an Arcade Fire album to someone who's never heard them and who's, whose tastes are more kind of broad i would probably recommend suburbs but i would say funeral is the better album is the one that sort of put them on the map like there's very few times where the quality of an album puts you on the map nowadays it seems like there's always it's usually a song or something else that video or a stunt not that people aren't putting out good albums anymore i'm just i just mean for an album to come out to because i remember even going to hillside i believe when they were first booked they weren't meant to headline or even play the main stage and they ended up performing i forget if they headlined or performed before someone but they completely stole the show yeah i believe right yeah but it was just 
it was at the time it was there was bigger artists that seemed like on the bill that had been around longer but they were still the ones headlining <laughs> so it's i would say it's essential it's a great album I, I believe everyone should listen to it i have friends who listen to hip-hop who like songs on this i have friends who listen to dance music who like songs from this it's it does something different but still keeps that it isn't too different that it kind of alienates people and there are songs and sections here and there that everyone can can like but yeah it it, it I, I would suburbs is also a good one to revisit to someone who's blind but yeah i'd say funeral is their their masterpiece. Yeah. you're right what you said that just to go to your point about like it's really the album as a whole it's not really talking about rebellion as being like the breakout single or whatever but not really like i don't think of that as like it's, it's not like i heard the song rebellion it was more like this album funeral is awesome yeah. that's that's what i remember yeah, and with them it seemed like funeral came out they got the cred it was getting all the critical darlings it wasn't until suburbs where they kind of broke commercially so it does make sense to recommend that over funeral but funeral is there it's the one that you will appreciate even if you come in with with uh, from one of the other albums do you think that's age dependent um Maybe. Like, I can see someone being, because when Reflector came out, it was more akin to what was coming out at that time. So some people might gravitate towards that. Yeah. Hmm. If they're a bit younger. How about you, uh, Gordon? How do you rank? Uh, do you think it's essential? Yeah, I mean, I'll say I'll give it a hell yeah. Um, I think it's one of the hell best albums. Yeah. yeah, I think it's one of the best oh, albums of the oh, 2000s. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm both full stone cold on this one. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's one of the best albums of the 2000s. It's probably in my top five most listened to albums from the 2000s. Um, it, it does an amazing... If you're just recommending the album, it, if you're on board for the journey, you're going to sit down and listen to the whole album. It's It does a great job of balancing the themes, the how it's how there's the name of the album you might be distracted by the name of the album being like oh this is gonna be depressing or super emo or something like that but it's not that i mean it balances those themes with like hope and just great energy and like you'll find yourself dancing if you if you're moved by the backstory of it or just specific songs you might be moved and i don't know you might get emotional yeah. i don't know um but i think it does a very good job at balancing all those things so i think there's something in there for everybody to enjoy and take away from it, even if you don't like all 10 songs. Um, the other thing that's really good about this band and this, what this album highlights for this band is they're really good at making pop songs with really unconventional instruments. Like the fact that you're hearing like a rock song on the edge that somehow incorporates an accordion or like violins and stuff like that. And like what people are considering mm -hmm. traditional rock is in, in, amazing to me. Like that, that really pushed music. Yeah. And um, it's not just like a violin being used on a slow dramatic, like where you have yeah. channels on disarm. Yeah, it's not like disarm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're being used in replacement of a lead guitar part. Yeah. Like or a bunch. Like a keyboard or whatever mm -hmm. it's a violin which is pretty cool <laughs> yeah it's mixed in as actual an actual part not just a gimmick you know? yeah and i think this is the band like i always ask or make you guys answer the question of like if you had to pick one album and i think this is a band where they legit have two solid essential albums that you could recommend to anyone and they'll enjoy and i and he's pointed this out with this funeral and suburbs like i can give either one of those to like a hip-hop fan and be like, hey, let me know what you think. I think you're probably going to like either one of these, or you'll find something in there that you like. Earlier this week, I kind of, uh, my brother was sitting here, and I came down, and I sort of tried to uh, argue against Funeral, just to see how, if I could do it, to mm -hmm. kind of... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Build yourself up to it? 
it felt wrong. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I love this album. I can't speak negatively towards. I know it, it's 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 funny to try and play devil's advocate with this album because I mean, it's just so good. It stands on its own. Like you're 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 really complaining about two amazing things. Like. Yeah. If you're if you're having the comparison argument, so it's a tough argument to have or to to walk away from. I think finding a winner. Yeah, part of the reason we love it so much is that nostalgic aspect, right? So, is the funeral like supposed to be for the death of your childhood? Is that the? Um, oh no, funeral. So the the title of funeral. Um, I think when they were making this album in 2003 uh, and going to 2004, a bunch of people in their family were were oh. passing away. So I think like oh. there's what six band members and like three three four or five people like died in in that in their area. Um, so right. so yeah, they're like it, it. It just seems and the name just seems to fit. So that's why they threw it on there. So I think it's a it's a good title. Yeah. Yeah. It's depressing, but it's 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 not like I think there's more depressing albums. Like what that it's first a, Antlers album yeah. is way more depressing than this. But it's a great first Hospice. album. First album title is your death. That's pretty good. It's like ready to die, right? Yeah, and then but the second you put it on, you hear that first track, you're like, okay. I mean, if this is a funeral, we're going to have a dance party at this funeral. <laughs> it's that fun kind of funeral. Yeah. Um. So I I, I don't have anything else. Do you guys have any anything else to add before we uh, wrap it up? Um, I don't know. Neon Bible, good album. <laughs> <laughs> Not much chance for survival. <laughs> nice. uh, well, I guess uh, this is goodbye then, everybody out there in internet land. All right, thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey, Vince. We know you've been know you're there, Vince. Thanks for listening to the Essential Albums Podcast. That one was recorded in January. Next week, we dive into Punk Ska's mainstream rise with no doubts, Tragic Kingdom. Watch out for new episodes. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And give us a follow on Instagram at the Essential Albums Podcast. Original music by Ryan Dugal and artwork by Vincent Tran.